Whenever I share numbers or parts of my business, I always like to come at it from like a, holy shit, this is scaring me too. Like, you know, but this, mm -hmm. I'm not like, I don't have superpowers. I, I do believe that I'm smart, but I'm not like, there's no one, I, there's nothing about me that, that would say like, oh, well, she could only do that because she had this, 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 and this, like the, she's, no one else could possibly replicate that. Yeah. I like stumbled my way here. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Welcome to Overshare. God, no, I can't, can't do it like that. Let's do it the real way. Welcome to Overshare, a show where I interview creatives I admire about the struggles of being a creative professional. I'm your host, Justin Genak, and I'm also the co-founder and CEO of Working Not Working. Now, I have been socially distancing now for like, I don't know, 28, 29, 30 days, something like that. Who knows at this point? Still recording this VO from my closet. I've got a bunch of pillows stacked together and I'm terrible posture under wool blanket. But uh, it's the new normal, guys. Uh, but hopefully you're all doing well. I've been watching all of the things on, uh, on Netflix and TV in general. Got through Tiger King, which is super disturbing. And Carol definitely killed her husband. Also watched another uh, feline focus show called don't fuck with cats have you guys seen that it's like a three-part documentary series totally insane uh and also very disturbing and then watch cheer which uh, i don't know if i've admitted this on here but i was a, a cheerleader in high school so it brought back all sorts of flashbacks and a little bit of uh ptsd of getting uh, my nose broken and, and, and bumps and bruises and injuries and the smell of what's that thing it was like ba bath and body works cucumber watermelon lotion or something it was like every girl in 1996 and 1997 in high school was wearing that all the time uh so definitely definitely flashbacks there um also just started watching dave uh starring the guy who plays uh the rapper little dicky i don't know if he plays the rapper but he is a rapper little dicky uh, but he used to work in advertising at could be silverstein partners in san francisco for a couple years and have a few friends who uh who worked with him back in the day and he kind of laughed off when he uh he said he wanted to be a rapper and look at him now uh but that shows he's so completely uh shameless and i think it was the word shameless uh like it's it's over whatever the shameless to the most extreme uh is that's that's dave uh but it's uh it's entertaining so far i like it now that I've caught you up on everything that I've been watching, uh, and if you have anything good you've been watching, please hit me up on Instagram and let me know. Uh, but also please subscribe, rate, and review Overshare. And that's the way to help people discover us as we boost up in the rankings. More people can can discover the podcast. Also send it to someone directly. If you find anything helpful in this episode or in previous episodes, just uh, shoot it over to a friend. I'm sure they've got plenty of spare time to be listening to some podcasts. And uh, we really appreciate it. You can also follow us on Instagram at Overshare Talks. And there's also clips from this episode uh, with collages of Lauren's work uh, that you can you can share as well. All right, now let's get into the episode. Today's conversation is with my buddy Lauren Hom. Uh, Lauren is a Detroit-based letterer and designer, and unofficially a fucking hustler. And we'll get into it in the episode, and you'll see how much of a hustler she really is. Now, I swear I didn't just have Lauren on Overshare to flatter me and tell me how much she loves my work. Uh, that was just a nice coincidence <laughs> during these times. It helps to feel good. But uh, I met Lauren 
about eight years ago when she had just graduated from SVA and she came up to me at an industry event and told me how much she loved my work. And so from that point on, I wanted to do whatever I could to help her. And you'll hear the story on how I, I went about that. And she seems to be doing all right. Uh, not all, I'm not taking all the credit, but I will take a very little part, very, very little part of the credit uh, for Lauren's success. And I will happily do that. But uh, in this season of Overshare, a theme is emerging. And I know I said there's a theme of nice people succeeding a couple weeks ago, but there's also this theme of not having a self-limiting mindset. It came up in last week's episode with Jonathan Jackson, who started a studio called We Should Do It All. And it's also come up in an upcoming episode, uh, an interview I already did with Charlie Engel, who is the first person to ever run across the Sahara Desert. Him and his team, uh, two teammates, ran across the entire Sahara Desert in 111 days. And we'll get into that whole story. It's insane. Uh, but then it came up too in this conversation with Lauren. And you know how she only saw herself as an illustrator and letterer and on that trajectory and was fine with that until she came across and you know randomly met a career coach in Vietnam while she was traveling. And this coach told her that she was leaving a lot of money on the table by not teaching. And so then that led to her posting and uh, creating classes and doing really well. And then a couple weeks ago, before we had this conversation, uh, Lauren posted in her Instagram story that her business was on track to make a half a million dollars this year as an illustrator and letterer. Holy fucking shit. I, I saw that and I was blown away. One, I was insanely proud. And then two, that's insane. And so we get into that with Lauren and she could not be more humble. Um, you know, most people would say that and you'd be like, you're, uh, you know, kind of bragging, but she wasn't. And she, Lauren really prides herself on being a transparent teacher. And she wants to put things out there that she wished she had known when she was younger. And so money is a thing that people have such a stigma about talking about, but it's so important for people who are willing to share it to actually share. And it does such a service for, for fellow creators and for the industry to know what's possible. And then to share some of those stories and some of those uh, kind of insights on how they got there. And so this conversation is full of that and how important it is to be around people that help you dream bigger and encourage you to look at yourself in a different way. Now, this conversation, you know, Lauren and I are buds. We like to chat it up. Uh, and it goes a little bit long or a lot longer than our typical episodes. But there is so much good stuff in here that I wanted to leave it all in. So we did. We even kept recording after we said, you know, this is the end of the episode. And it kept going for another 15 minutes after that. Uh, that's where we got into some of the real insightful stuff. So left it all in there for you. If you have the time, listen all the way through. It's uh, a really... I'm learning a lot just from listening to Lauren and from hearing how she approaches her work and how she approaches her potential. And uh, I hope you get as much out of it as I did. So please enjoy this conversation with the talented, amazing, motherfucking hustler, Lauren Hom. I haven't seen you in forever, and we are making this happen. I've, you know, I wanted to have you on for a while, and I'm glad we actually got to make it happen. You know, we were going to do a live event, but you know the social distancing is keeping us socially distanced from each other, but it seems like everybody's a little bit closer now. So that's kind of nice. It is kind of incredible how many people just like I've connected with over the last two weeks, just like, even if it's a quick, like, Hey, how are you doing? Like it, it is a good reminder that like, Oh yeah, there are a lot of people in our lives that we know and care about actually. Yeah. When there's not a pandemic happening and (laughs) Exactly. Uh, we're going to start off with just some icebreakers. Uh, this is a new segment this season. Last last season, I would just make up my own. But now I'm letting you take control of which five random questions I'm going to ask you at the beginning. 
Okay. So I'm asking you five random questions from a random receptacle. And today's random receptacle is a neon yellow uh, Gatorade Air Jordan 1 because I found it in my closet and it seemed random enough. Amazing. Uh, so I'm going to reach in. I'm just going to pull out a question for you. Tell me when to stop. Stop. Got it. Okay. This question is, what's your guilty pleasure? Ooh, like in my entire life right now, currently? Yeah. And this is a good time for guilty pleasures. So. Oh, man. You know, I feel like some people are like really indulging right now. Some people are like shutting down. Everyone has a different response to what's happening right now. Um, guilty pleasure. <sighs> I feel like this is such a lame intro because I'm like, what's my guilty pleasure? I did, I haven't been thinking about this because I saw a Dave Grohl quote like a couple years ago, it's a super random, that said, there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. If you like it, you fucking like it. I will go with that. Which we'll I love. That. So I yeah, haven't been so thinking good. about guilty pleasures. <laughs> well, because it's like there's shame involved in guilty pleasures and like there's no shame right now. Let's just watch whatever we're feeling. That's true. People are letting themselves be themselves now. It's pretty nice, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, next question. I'm just going to grab a random one out of here. Let's see. Okay. Uh, what is the last photo in your camera roll? Oh, let me take a peek. This is so. This is a nod to Ivan Cash, um, who was a former Overshare guest who did a whole film series where he stopped people on the street and just asked them what their last photo in their camera roll is. And if you could show your camera, if it's not too questionable. Yeah, um, the last photo. Well, okay. Hmm. There, I'll, I'll give you two two options. So there, the last one is just a photo of me painting a mural because I needed to save it from Visco. And so I just saved it to my camera roll. Um, but other than the Visco saves, it is a screenshot of a text from a friend who was like, have you heard about this small business grant? Maybe you and your partner would be interested in it. Oh, that's nice. Who, who's the friend who sent it to you? Uh, Lauren Ronquillo. She was my very first intern back in 2015, I want to say. Yes. That's nice of her to look out for you. It is nice. I feel like small business owners have to look out for other small business owners. For it sure. was actually for me to send to another friend um, who's in an industry that is not doing so hot right now. Yeah, that's a lot of those right now. But, <sighs> Man, uh, I know. I've been reflecting a lot on how incredible it is that like my ability to generate income, even if it like is not obliterated right now, like it's just... <sighs> Man, like what if it was a technological virus that shut down the internet or social media? There goes my right. business. Yeah. Now, now you're making me paranoid for the next thing to come. I'm Great. so sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay, next question. Uh, what number is that? Okay. Uh, did you or do you currently have an imaginary friend? I did not have an imaginary friend and I still do not. I okay. had a blanket, a childhood blanket that I... Loved so much, uh, my parents like to tell me the story, that I woke up one morning and decided to cut holes, cut two holes in it so I could wear it like a cape instead. I just wanted it on me at all times. A budding fashionista, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then do you still have it? You know, it, I don't think so. I think it kind of got lost in, lost in the mix when we moved out of our childhood home. It's, I still have my teddy bear from when I was a kid. My dad keeps it safe. Oh, that's nice. That's really sweet. Uh, all right, next question. 
I like that answer. That's good. Uh, is what was the worst fashion trend you participated in besides the blanket cape? Oh man. Um, I'm going to have to say the worst fashion trend was probably like between seventh and eighth grade when I'm trying to think of how to describe this. When like a bunch of suburban kids would dress like, like I had a little crop top that said Uh baby girl on it. And like, there was no reason for me to be wearing a crop top that said baby girl with like matching shoes and a glittery belt. Like it was when like, like suburban white kids were listening to 50 Cent like all the time. Like it was like that era. I'm really ashamed of it. It like. Like did that go with your juicy couture sweatpants? You know what? I really wanted juicy couture sweatpants, but my parents said no. I, f- I don't know a single, well, maybe I'm sure they're out there, but I don't know a single, I don't know a single Asian parent who would let their kids spend that much money on a pair of sweatpants or track pants. So it wasn't what it was saying. It was just the, the price. So like baby girl was okay, but juicy was not okay. I guess they let me leave the house like that. I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. And uh, we got the last, last question here is... Uh, would you tell someone that they had something stuck in their teeth? My boyfriend and I were just talking about this. If like he was interviewing someone and he purposely had something in his teeth to see if the person would Ooh, tell him. Oh. I should do that. <laughs> it's such a good character test. Oh, man. But like I could go either way, you know, like I can see. I I don't know. If I if I had a read on the situation and I felt like it was an okay time to interject, mm. maybe. I want to say I lean towards yes, but there also, I know myself well enough that there would be, I'm sure there would be situations in which I'd be like, not worth it. Just let it go. Like, I'm never going to see this person ever again. Uh-huh. They're fine. Yeah. Sometimes I've timed it wrong. Like when they were, just as they were leaving, like, hey, I just want to let you know you got something <laughs> in your teeth. And then they just gave me a weird look and they like the Uber pulled away and I was like, yeah, maybe I should have told them a little sooner. I don't know. Because yeah. then they're just reflecting on like, oh, I've been sitting there for an hour with that in my teeth. Yeah, I don't know what the acceptable like time limit, like when the window passes where it becomes then like a bad on you for not saying something sooner. Yeah, I thought about it would be fun to have a teeth check booth um, in New York City just on the street where there's no mirror, but just the diagram of the teeth. And then people come during lunchtime and they could ask me if they have anything stuck in their teeth, and I would just tell them, and I would either point to me and do the mirror thing, or I'd point directly at the chart, and then they could get it out. <laughs> that's that's just like one of those dumb like performance art I ideas. I absolutely love that, and I feel like there could be if you found the right the right place in New York, or the right like outside the right building, like a like a corporate building, or somewhere where it made like. Fun. It was funny that like there would be a tooth check booth. I uh-huh. feel like, or just outside of Sweet Green. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, you got some, you got some quinoa. Oh my god! You, you got a little broccoli. You got a little uh, winter harvest. Just at the exit of every Sweet Green, that's like a service they now offer. You are the master of ideas like that. I draw so much inspiration from you. Oh, thank you, thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, flattery will get you everywhere on the show. Uh, should we? I think we should start off. Well, we've already started, but like maybe letting people know how we know each other. Well, I was gonna say I think flattery is like what got me on the, this show and your radar and just like in general. You're totally right. You are one hundred percent right. <laughs> do you want to tell it? Or do you want me to tell it? <laughs> I, I want to hear your perspective on it. Okay, and then you can tell me 
your perspective because I barely okay. remember. All right. Okay. So this is back in 2000 and I want to say summer 2012. Is that Sounds correct? Sounds about right. Sounds okay. about right. Around that time, I was interning in Madrid at Lowe & Partners and I, my ad partner and I won a contest through the Lowe Network to go to Cannes and <laughs> We were like, you know, 21. We're like, woo, all right, let's do this. And I remember if we back up even further, you had spoken in Jack Mariucci's advertising class, which was maybe my sophomore, junior advertising class. Can't remember. Maybe junior. And I remember being so inspired by your work because you were presenting your New York City garbage and the Elf Yourself stuff. And I remember following your work since, since then. And then I'm super drunk in Cannes. It's like the closing party or something, I think. And I've had like five glasses of rosé. It's great. I'm feeling, I'm feeling real good. And I see you like across the room and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Justin Genac. And I think I probably played it cool for a little bit. And then like I had some more wine and I was like, I'm going to go say something. And I basically just came up to you and complimented your work. And I feel like I just like spouted off your portfolio back to you. <laughs> that was shocking. If, if you weren't so nice, it would have awesome and terrifying. But yeah. Was, yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was so sweet. And it was the first time anyone had come up, ever come up to me and saying like they recognize me and like my work. Stop. So Are you kidding me? You're, t- you're telling me this. And I'm on the verge of tears like at, at the Carlton on the patio. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is, this is so sweet. Who is this wonderful young woman? I'm going to do whatever I can to help her. She sounds great. <laughs> uh, and ever since then, I'm just like, whatever I can do to help Lauren. Like, you were like, yeah, you definitely, it made me feel nice and you were very sweet. And it was just like, yeah, cool. I'm glad cool. it came off as sweet and not creepy because I'm pretty sure I threw up later that night. And I'm, I'm <laughs> glad the flattery worked. But I do remember when I got back to the States, um, like later that summer, you emailed me and you were like, hey, um, I... I bet you were doing your like follow up from everyone you networked with at Cannes, and you were like, "Hey, I, no, that wasn't it." <laughs> I, I'm really, I'm really terrible at following up from people I met at Cannes. So I think I just your, your work was good, and you were really nice. All right, thank you. Because yeah. I remember you emailed me, and you invited me to working, not working. And mm-hmm. I remember, yeah, being inspired by the fact that someone, I looked at someone like you who had kind of walked a similar path of like going into advertising and doing the art director thing, and then leaving or freelancing and then leaving to start your own company. I very much thought that that would be my trajectory too, but like way farther out. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you emailed me, invited me to working, not working. And then I remember maybe a couple weeks after that, uh, you, I believe it was you who mentioned one of my projects to Jessica Hish and she tweeted about it. And like, of course I'm still in school. So like all my friends are like, Oh my God, Jessica Hish tweeted about your project. And I'm sure I still have it screenshotted in a folder somewhere, but yeah, you instilled so much confidence in me early on. Huh. Thank you for your, thank you for your support. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, and, and I think the thing that w- what I love about your story is that you were in advertising. And I think I think the me sending Jessica Daily Dishonesty was you were like six months in advertising, maybe less. And I was just like, you should get out of advertising. You're too good at illustration and lettering. And you're like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, because a lot of times people have talent. And I remember it used to be really frustrating with me in school. People would have so much talent as an illustrator, an artist, or a painter, and they didn't have any ideas behind it and a point of view. And I'm like, you had the Daily Dishonesty Project, which was you lettering 
lies that we tell ourselves, which were super charming and funny. And I'm like, you have other talent besides doing advertising. I'm like, you shouldn't or bypass all that. You should just go and do this lettering. And you're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Because, yeah, you spent money on four years of college to learn advertising. And then I sent it to Jessica and you're, I was like, is that enough proof? And you're like, okay, maybe. And then I think like a few months later, you end up quitting and going. Well, yeah, I remember the conversation actually that you and I had that was the catalyst for me finally leaving. Is that Martinelli's? Yeah, it's a way too big of a jar of Martinelli's. <laughs> um, and so I'm just like, it's like a goblet of Martinelli's. It took me a second. From. I was like, that's either Martinelli's or like a really squat 40. Like I don't... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's for sure. Yeah, if I was just drinking a forty while I was interviewing you, no, it's 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 you know what the, anything, the nectar of the gods. Anything goes right now. I would yeah. not. I wouldn't bat an eyelash. By the way, so you know, there's not a lot going on around here. I was very excited to do this interview. I even ironed this long sleeve T-shirt, which is hard to tell because I now have the mic clipped to it. But um, it's very that's, that's innovative how mic clipping. Yeah, this is how uh, how exciting things are these days. Wow. I'm like, ooh, I have a reason to iron a shirt. Hey, I mean, anything to keep a routine or some kind of semblance of normal life. Yeah, exactly. I remember, I think I reached out to you and was like, hey, I'm thinking of leaving advertising and you invited me to come have coffee with you at Soho House. That was my first time at Soho House ever. And I was like, what is this place? And it was... (laughs) Everyone's going to think I'm a total douche now, but it's No, no, no. If it helps, um, I'm a douche too. So I I have a membership now and I use it when I travel and it's great. So I'm a huge D-bagged as well. Okay, good, good, good. I don't know if it has like a different connotation in like or association in New York, um, but I like yeah. it when I am in a city. I travel a lot for work, so for sure, it's great to be able to have a place to go. Um, but we met, and I remember expressing to you that my my pragmatic plan I had come up with of like, okay, I know I have all these like tangible like this tangible proof that like I can leave advertising, but. How about I stay for an entire year, get it on my resume, so in the future, no one's going to be like, why do you only have eight months at an agency? Like, that's weird, because the number in my head for some reason was you didn't want to jump around too much, or like a, mm-hmm. at least a year or else it looks suspicious, or you had some explaining to do. And you, without blinking an eye, were like, you were so wise. You, saw, I mean, of course, we can always see things that other people can't see. You were like, well, yeah. if you don't want to continue working in advertising why does your ad resume matter and like my head exploded and <laughs> that was the cat I was like okay that is like the most logical argument yes that's that's true like why would I even if it's only four more months that's still a decent chunk of time like I'm 23 years old like that's I can I have 23 year old energy right now I can do a lot mm-hmm. in those four months and so I think that got the ball rolling, and then I put in my two weeks shortly after that. The hardest part was breaking the news to my ad partner that, like, yeah. I was going to go. I don't know. Did you have that conversation with your partner, too, when you quit? No, because I was freelancing on my own. Ah, uh, so. the transition. But I think, I think it's nice, though, that you had the courage to make the jump. And I guess it does t- a lot of times take someone believing in you um, to make that happen. But it's, you know, I just love everything that's come out of you just building up the liquid courage to go and say hello and you know say something nice to me and then it's like cool and it's all of this is you know not not I'm not taking all the credit but I will take I will take a little teeny tiny bit of credit well I was yeah. gonna say I didn't know that that was the first time someone had done that to you maybe because I from my point of view I was like oh he's this successful 
he went to SVA, like he did advertising, he freelanced, and now he's starting his own company. Like he's so successful. Um, yeah, nobody cares. Nobody cares at all. <laughs> uh, and but, yeah, yeah, it was like, a, maybe it was because you presented your work and I knew a lot of it and had followed it um, after yeah. that. Like I reference so many of your projects when I talk with students or people because oh, they're so, they're the perfect mix of humorous, smart, clever, but also like very succinct. It's so easy to understand what you're trying to do. And I think that that's, that's a skill. That's hard to distill a big idea down into like something that's actually digestible for people. Yeah. Well, you want to get it down to, there used to be the old adage of the 30 second elevator pitch, but that's about 20 seconds too long. <laughs> and, and you want, now you want something that's an, really an idea that you can get across really simply, even no matter how it's executed. So that was like, now it's got to work in a tweet. So it was like, oh, New York City college student packages and sells New York City garbage for $50. People are going to click on that. Um, and so it's like, what are those, what's the hook with whatever idea mm-hmm. you have that's going to get people to share it um, and, and have people understand it really clearly. And I think that's like passing that filter through any of our ideas that we put out into the world. And I think you do that really well now. It's like uh, you have a great, you know, have a great title for it, have a great tagline of what it says, and then and then get it out there. And I think the nice thing about having an advertising background, and I think a lot of us as creative people, whatever you've learned in any any time you make a transition in your career, whatever you learned in the past is totally relevant to what you're doing now. You're not starting over because you have this wealth of knowledge from whatever industry you were in before. And so now like having, being able to take ideas and sell them as an illustrator uh, is just like, is just probably or actually definitely your secret weapon. <laughs> oh yeah. I think I just uh, was talking with someone earlier today and I said that I was like, I think my advertising background is what helps set me apart. And by no means am I telling everyone to like go drop everything they're doing and go to ad school right now. Because I think you can, you can learn that thinking on your own and mm-hmm. by observing and, I mean, media is always changing too, but yeah, I I do think that at the time when we first talked and I was telling you I was thinking about leaving uh, my job, I did think it was going to be starting over because when we when you don't know like what's on the other side of you know that decision, you you feel like it's a completely fresh slate. And I thought I was going to be like blacklisted from the advertising industry, and people would think you know I was entitled and spoiled and all these, all these things. And you realize nobody cares. Nobody cares and, <laughs> or they're happy for you because they would like yeah. to do the same thing in the future. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's, a, it's inspiring when people go and just go after something, even if it, you know, if you go and do it for six months and you're like, Hey, it's not paying the bills and you go back to a job is like, there's no shame in that either. So, uh, I think that's been, it's been really nice to see. And, and then just over the past eight years, watching your career grow, I've been so proud watching from a distance and it's just like, it's unbelievable the amount of hustle you have. And I know you'll go and say, yeah, but I have people helping me now. Great. Fine. Good. To, it's smart of you to have people helping you, but you have so much stuff that you're putting out in so many ways of adapting what you know and what you could do into making so many other things. And I don't know if you're okay talking about this. Uh, you put in your Instagram stories a couple of weeks ago, how much money you made last year as an illustrator, as a freelance illustrator with all of your hustles going on. And I was blown away and super fucking proud. And I'm sure other people were like, holy shit. And, <laughs> and not only did you say it, but like, yeah, what, what was the motivation behind that? Why did you go and tell people how much money you made last year? I 
honestly think it's because, so I, I, I pride myself on being a transparent teacher. I always speak from experience and I've been doing, I've been working on a lot of personal growth over the last couple of years because that's important as you grow your business too. And um, I basically hit a weird block last year because I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. I never thought I would say this, but like I felt this weird shame last year of like, holy shit, like I'm making a lot of money and I, I'm not com- like I'm not comfortable making this much money. This is like far exceeds what I thought I would do. Like my trajectory, and I think it's because I had the bar set in my head from advertising. I was like, okay, if I had stayed in advertising and like absolutely like killed it, maybe by this time I would be making one fifty, one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. I don't know. Maybe it yeah. would be more. Maybe mm-hmm. I was wrong. Around um, there, yeah. Yeah, and I'd probably be working my ass off still. <laughs> yeah. It's not to say that I'm not doing that now, but yeah, I so to give everyone some context, like I started as just like freelance lettering artist, um, doing client work. I have an agent. I've had an agent from pretty much the start of my freelance career, and that was going well. It was like building a little bit every year. Great, great, great. I remember. I think the second year I I made just over $100,000 and I was like, holy shit, like this is amazing. And of course there are still expenses um, and as there would be, and and taxes and all that good stuff. Um, But yeah, basically in 2016, I went to go travel and I met lots of people that I might not have normally come across when I was in the the New York City creative bubble. And I met a woman who was a business coach and marketing coach and we became friends. And then she was like, hey, I just noticed you have 30,000 Instagram followers and you don't sell any digital products or teach any classes. Like, what's up with that? And I was like, there's nothing up with that. Like, I'm a freelance illustrator. Duh. <laughs> like, yeah. why? Like, why fix it if it ain't broke? Like, this is totally working for me. It's fine. And we chatted more. And she, I remember she told me, she's like, just so you know, like, I truly, deeply in my heart believe that you're leaving so much money on the table by not teaching. And I was like, yeah, but like, you know, I did a Skillshare and I teach in-person workshops. Those don't make a ton of money. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And yeah, long story short, we ended up working together and she helped me create and produce and promote my first online class, like on my own, like no like Mm -hmm. third-party service. And how much did you charge for that first class? That first class uh, was $250. It was called Passion to Paid. I still run it twice a year. It's my most popular class and it's a passion project class. And so of course Mm -hmm. I bring up your projects and lots of other projects, but I teach people how to do what you've done and I've done in terms of packaging up an idea to then make that a fun marketable thing where it gets your work circulating around the internet. It's basically like a non-markety creative marketing class. Yeah. <laughs> and I sold that for $250. And I remember at the time I had maybe invested like a couple thousand dollars in her cons- her consulting and hiring a friend to film it and edit it for me. And I was like, you know what? Worst case scenario, I, you know, break even. I think I'm going to break even. Like that would be nice to just break even and know that like it works. And To get like 10 or 20 people to yeah, sign up in the like, class. You'd be like, that would be fine. Yeah. Because uh, I had like, never sold something like that online before either. Did you feel like two hundred fifty dollars was uh, like cheap, or did you feel it was expensive? Like how? how did you I price felt it? like it was so expensive, and thank goodness I worked with her because I mean I was twenty six at the time, um, 
And she said, what are you thinking in terms of pricing? And I was like, mm, 99? And she was like, no. <laughs> and like you were like the same way you bestowed your wisdom upon me, like she just knew. She's like, no, like it's worth so much more. Like you don't have to charge $1,000, but like more than 99. Um, and it's also a weird perception thing of like finding that pricing like sweet spot of it not being so cheap that people think it's not good mm-hmm. versus it being like inaccessible, an inaccessible price point. Anyways, long story short, we launched the class. We launched it for a week. Um, and I remember I pressed the button to like open the cart and I sent the email out being like, Hey, I just made a new class and I went mm-hmm. to bed. I was in, I was in Vietnam at the time. I was still traveling, went to bed, uh, and then woke up the next morning and it had already made $10,000. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, no way. Like what just happened? And so, yeah, basically in a week, the class generated $65,000. And I was like, that's insane. Like I've never even booked a $20,000 illustration project. How could, how could this be? Like my eyes just like opened to like, oh my goodness, like this money came from not just like one client, but so many people who wanted to learn from me. And that was a game changer. So since then, since the end of 2016, I've incorporated, uh, online classes and education into just the overall home sweet home business. And I know we were, we were DMing the other night and yeah, my business is is pretty much split down the middle in terms of course, like online courses and client work. So it's like, it's a lot more going on than I ever thought there would be because that's just a booming part of my business now. Um, and I'm still trying to navigate, you know, how much client work do I take? How much do I put into courses? I've only got so much time in a day, which one brings me more joy, but also like, yes, financial stability is important to me. I feel like I'm beating around the bush now, but yeah, no, I shared in, was this the Instagram story that you DM'd me right after? I can't Yeah, where you said, you said you made a half a million dollars last year. No, I said said that yet. (laughs) I said that uh, (laughs) my business is on track this year to do a half a million. Um, Okay. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's revenue, but still it's a shit ton of of money. Um, I I, I was gobsmacked. (laughs) I've never used the word gobsmacked before. That was the first time I ever used it. I I, I went, holy fucking shit, that's awesome. (laughs) I was like, wow. You know but, what? But, but I don't think, and I think that's like people, like you were saying, you didn't think that would ever be possible. You thought you'd cap out around like 150, 200 grand, which yeah. is a shit ton of money. Still a shit ton of money. And then going, oh my God. And, and it's kind of nice to be around people that help you dream bigger and look at yourself in a different way. And I think that's been, you know, that's probably, you know, there's friends that we, many of us probably have that help. Get to get us there, or coaching, or any of that stuff, and it's just like it makes such a difference. Oh yeah, it's it's someone believing in you, or someone encouraging you, or yeah, just the the dream bigger thing is a big part of it. I mean, I I think I ended up sharing that number because yeah, I I had felt all this weirdness around like, oh my gosh, my business is doing so well. It's like it's doing too well, and it feels like I'm keeping this like secret. And I was talking with my business coach and she was like, what are you scared of? Like if people find out, what do you think that they're going to think if Mm. they know like you're a high earner? And I was like, I honestly, she's like, do you think people will treat you differently? And I'm like, no, like my friends know me. Like there's nothing Mm. about me that's changed per se. Um, And so I think, well, one, I was teeny, teeny, 
teeny bit drunk when I posted those stories. Uh, <laughs> alcohol is obviously a big theme in, in this conversation. I drink a lot less than I used to. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I just wanted to be transparent. I, I basically wanted to put the information out there that I wish I had had available to me when I was yeah. starting out because I remember – in at SVA senior year, we had a, a teacher, Frank Anselmo, um, who yeah. first first day of senior ad class came in and gave his spiel about what the class was about. And he basically told us if you play your cards right and you work your way up in the agency and then you go freelance and you like, you know, you're like a really in-demand creative director, you can make twenty five hundred dollars a day. And we at the time, you know, twenty-one years old, were like jaws on the floor like Mm -hmm. isn't that like a month's salary like we were like that's so much money that it was so much money that it didn't seem possible and now that I'm older I know people I know people are making that much money um Mm -hmm. for a day rate more probably and I think like you said raising the bar for what we think is possible is huge and so whenever I share numbers or parts of my business I always like to come at it from like a holy shit, this is scaring me too. Like, you know, but this, mm-hmm. I'm not, like, I don't have superpowers. I I do believe that I'm smart, but I'm not like, there's no one, I, there's nothing about me that that would say like, oh, well, she could only do that because she had this, 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 and this. Like, the, she's, no one else could possibly replicate that. Yeah. I like stumbled my way here and I know I have a lot going for me. I'm, I'm not devaluing what I do, but it's, it's, new for me and it it raised basically my bar got raised without me being ready for it and it's weird it's a weird thing to talk about and to seek like help for and like you were saying like mentors business coaches therapists however however just people you can talk it out with because it's Unfortunately, money is still taboo in our people are so afraid to talk about money that's why it's such a huge thing when you do it because it's like oh you know, and and it's hard. And I'm, there's a self consciousness too. When any times I've talked about money with peers or you know students, you also don't want to come across like you're bragging, because you know not everyone's in that situation. But it's so invaluable to talk about what you're making, and it's like, and it, it's how people figure out their freelance rates by talking to other people. It's how you f- figure out like what you should ask for for a salary, talking to other people, uh, and it's just so refreshing. And it's also such like a vulnerable gift to give to people. To be able to say like, "Hey, my business is on pace to make a half a million dollars this year, and this is how I did it," and and you were like, "Hey, this is the breakdown," and you had people guess where the revenue was coming from from all your things, and most people were really off, right? Oh my like- gosh, my I was I was sitting there chuckling like the next day when I was reading through the responses that a lot of people think that I make the bulk of my income from public speaking, which is totally not the case in the creative world. Like unless you are like a motivational speaker or like a Brene Brown, like you're not, like I'm lucky. Like I remember doing like a happy dance the first time I think I got paid over $4,000 for a talk because it's just creative conferences don't have those huge budgets because they're not that big. And I totally get it. And I actually, it's interesting because at the beginning of this year, I was talking with my agent and I was like, I really want to cut back on speaking because it's so much work for like so right. little return. But I realized that like, oh, well, speaking comes with some other like perks in terms of like marketing and getting people 
uh, introduced to me and like kind of into my world. And so I'm still figuring out what that perfect balance is. But yeah, public speaking makes up like 6% of my income. (laughs) Wow. Well, yeah, it doesn't pay that great, but it's like, you know, what are the residual effects, like you're saying, of of being in a room of 4,000 people, like I saw you at Grafica Manila last year, and half of those people follow you on Instagram, and then maybe 10% of those people signing up for a class, you're like, wow, that's 200 people at 250 bucks a piece. That's pretty substantial. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's been it's been interesting. I feel like I'm in a weird shift between I'm evolving. I feel like I'm a Pokemon who's evolving from freelancer to like business owner now. And that was a, something that just happened naturally. Um, like I feel like it was so intentional when I left advertising to go pursue freelance lettering. It made so much sense to me. And that was the track I had mentally prepared to stay on for the foreseeable future or forever, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, when when this pivot just kind of happened organically, and not even a pivot, it was an addition. Like yeah. it's it's been quite a wild ride. And I think I'm at the point now where I'm trying to figure out like, yeah, building out teams and figuring out what my role is. Kind of, I, I just had a call earlier with a potential like project manager that I want to work with and some of that freelancer solopreneur mindset is so deeply ingrained in me that it's so hard to let go. And I bet Mm -hmm. you can speak to this too. Like I find myself being like, Oh yeah, I have an idea for that thing. I'll just do it because I can get it done now in like 45 minutes. And like when you really should be delegating. Um, so Mm -hmm. I'm, it's been pretty chaotic this year, but in a good way. And a lot of it is, has just been me kind of doing a little soul searching to being like, okay, like, can I emotionally handle making a lot of money? And that sounds, if if 20-year-old Lauren could hear me say this right now publicly, she'd be she'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, that sounds awesome. But like, mm-hmm. <laughs> in yeah. reality, it's just, I mean, anytime expectations are, like the situation does not meet expectations or surpasses expectations, it's like, oh, I wasn't prepared for this. What do I do? Well, I think we also have such self-limiting mindsets very frequently. Like we see ourselves in a certain light. We're just an illustrator. We can only do this or, you know, I have to do it all. And then when you start to think about like, wow, can I go and yeah. What what if we all just said to ourselves, Hey, in the next five years, I want to put myself on pace to make, you know, $500,000 a year with three other things other than the one thing I'm doing right now. And you're like, okay, well, what do I need to do to even get there? You're like, well, I need to start a second thing or I need to start teaching or I need to start grabbing back. And I think that's like, I think you've done a really nice job of giving back with, you know, you have the homework challenge was at every week where you give people different prompts and briefs to, for, for lettering. And I, I checked and there are currently uh, 50, let me look at this, 58,300 posts uh, with the hashtag home, homework. I will temper that with the fact that (laughs) people will post in that hashtag sometimes just misspelling actual homework. So if you are ever bored one day and you want to look through the homework hashtag, there's some pretty funny stuff in there. It's like, (laughs) I'd say it's like 20% typos. Yes, there are a lot of, there are a lot of posts. I've been running running the challenge for two and a half years now. Like I have, I as, I'm a pretty like all over the place creative person. And the fact that I can do some, I've done something consistently for over a hundred weeks is like very new to me. And that's one thing I've had to adapt over the last, I'd say two years since I started really incorporating teaching as like part of my long-term business model is 
okay, you, you can't just do the freelancer, like, I'll just wake up and see how I feel today. And like, maybe I'll work, maybe I'll work on something else. Uh, maybe I'll chill. I can't do that anymore because like there's a schedule and the schedule is actually good because it keeps me like keeps things moving, but it's also more than I can currently handle, which is why I have a full-time designer and some contractors that I work with. And it's been interesting to try to figure out how to scale it in a way that I'm still enjoying the stuff that I'm doing um, Mm -hmm. and that the quality of stuff is still coming out um, the way that I would want it. And I think, I don't know if you hit this point, but like things do get so busy when you're trying to do everything yourself that at a certain point you're just like, I don't care. Like just someone else, please take this off my plate. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Anyone. Well, the thing is you end up doing a lot of stuff you don't really want to be doing. And so to be able to identify what those things are, get some help with those, then you can focus on the stuff you're really excited to do. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's been it's been quite a wild ride, and I don't quite know what direction Home Sweet Home is going to go in in the future. But trying to figure it out, trying to make sure I'm still making time for like I've been trying to get back into that like beginner mind space where like when I I don't know if you did did this too, but when I first launched my like daily dishonesty project, ex boyfriend tears, my earlier passion projects. I didn't put a lot of pressure on them. They were really honest mm-hmm. and authentic because I didn't know, I didn't think of them so much as a marketing tool. I didn't know that a lot of, I didn't think anyone was going to see them really. Like I was like, oh, me and my friends and like maybe some exactly. of their friends. And now that my business and my audience has grown so much, it's like, oh shit, like anything I publish, like a lot of people are going to see it once. <laughs> and it's it's just a new feeling to navigate. And I sometimes have to pull myself out of it being like, wait, you haven't drawn anything in like a week and a half. Like that's what you like to do. Like you've been answering emails and like, you Mm -hmm. know, having meetings and that's, yeah. So I have to, I kind of have to pull myself back. That's one of the downsides or challenges of being your own boss is like, you're the one dictating the output and the schedule as well. And it's, there's no parameters for that really. You can work as much or as little, it tends to err on the as much as possible side. But. Yeah, exactly. Well, on that note, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back okay. with more from Lauren. Ad break. Ad break. <sighs> this episode of Overshare is brought to you by A Second to Breathe. Just right now, just take a second to breathe, relax. You got nothing to do except just exist and stay the fuck at home. All right, now back to our show. And we're back. Uh, so, oh, yeah. Lauren, Lauren I, I remembered also that story of uh, me sending that to Jessica and then her posting about it, and you were so young and excited. And then at a conference, what was it, last year or two years ago, you and Jessica were speaking at the same conference, and you got tattoos together? Yeah, we did. Let me see if I can pull pull it up. Um mm, this is a very tough angle. Yeah, it's too tough. It's we drew we drew so we were joking about it. We were like, you know, the one tattoo that neither of us never got that like the the cliche art school student tattoo was an ampersand. Uh-huh. <laughs> we never got a chance to do that. And so we we had gone out to dinner um and gotten a little drunk and talked about it and like I was like, okay, like I'm sure tomorrow is going to roll around and like it would just be one of those things we talked about. And then we actually decided to do it. <laughs> so you drew her ampersand, she drew yours? Mm-hmm. 
That's incredible. Yeah, I remember we shared that on Instagram and like, I don't think I've ever gotten so many DMs. It was like, it was the mashup that people were waiting for. It also was just really, I, I don't fangirl over a lot of people, um, obviously mm-hmm. you, uh, but uh, Jessica, like a lot of basically uh-huh. the people whose work I came into contact with when I was just starting out, like yeah, has such a special place in my heart. The same way like the songs you listened to when you were a teenager, just like get ingrained in there. And it was just so special. Like I was in my head, I was like, wow, like I can't believe she's hanging out with me. <laughs> and uh, it's just like two, not even generations. Cause like, we're not that different in age. Like maybe like a, yeah. I don't five know, five, years, five yeah. year gap. Um, but it just felt like maybe two waves of lettering mm-hmm. artists. Um, like it, there was a wave in between us or I was on the next wave and, yeah, I mean, I've looked up to her for so long, and it's it's so strange seeing someone in person whose work you've just like seen online so many times. And yeah, yeah, it was really nice. And I'm I know she's no stranger to being fangirled over. And I oh, oh I was a fangirl when I first met Jessica. Really? <laughs> I got introduced to her at the art director's club. And I was like, wait, wait, you're the one who did that, that, and that, and that. Oh my god, oh my god, your work's so amazing. And I'm like, now we're friends. And I, I talked to her one night about this. She's like. It wasn't that bad. I'm like, okay, I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but she's great, though. I'm uh, sure at some point we're, we'll all be the giver of that and the recipient of that in our lifetimes. And, I, yeah, I hope it keep, you know, it's nice if it keeps continuing because, like, it's nice to be inspired and excited by people's work. And, and, I, and I think that goes back to the way we met. You always assume the people that you look up to or admire hear it all the time. Yep. And they don't. So if there's someone who you follow on Instagram right now, for anybody listening, if you follow someone's work on Instagram and it means a lot to you or really inspiring to you, just send them a DM and let them know because I'm sure it'll it'll mean a lot to them. Uh, and I and I, I wouldn't underestimate how, how how much that affects people, especially right now. So and you uh, never know too if someone's like in a creative slump right now or their confidence has been knocked lately. Like you never know who needs it. I know that a compliment never hurts. Like anytime, even if you're feeling great, you just get extra, an extra little dose of great feeling. But yeah, yeah, I tell my, I tell my students that all the time that like, if you are feeling a little bit stuck with your own work or your Instagram growth is too slow, like I don't think there's anything, no such thing as too slow. It's just, it takes time. Like I feel like sometimes people forget that like, I've been on Instagram for six years, maybe longer. Mm-hmm. Like it, it takes time. And yeah. I'll tell them like, if you are stuck, go compliment some other people. Like it never hurts mm-hmm. to compliment other people. It's honestly a good social media strategy. Like I, I hate fake engagement <laughs> when people are like, yeah. love this or like, you know, just double tap and leave like some emojis, like spammy comments. But if you're genuine, yeah. It can mean a lot because creatives, our, our self-confidence ebbs and flows. Like, I wish I was oh. confident all the time, but I'm not. Oh, yeah. No, we, like, we put all of ourselves into our work and then like just wait for the world to validate us. And it's like it's so emotionally vulnerable and draining. Oh, and my goodness. It, it's just like it's, it's, a rocky, it's a rocky road. And I think that's a great setup to the next segment. Uh, this next section is called This Might Get Uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. Uh, so these are a little more oversherry. Um, and so the first question is, what's one thing you've never shared in an interview before? Uh, I think that we already touched on it. I think that, uh, the fact that my business is, was, I don't know how this COVID thing is going to play out. So we'll see. Um, 
I've heard I've heard varying opinions. Anyways, yeah, I honestly think it's the fact that at least as of a, a couple weeks ago, like I had projected out that my business is going to make a half million dollars this year, which is kind of wild. And it's based on all this stuff that we have planned for the rest of the year. And of course, there's the client work aspect and the courses and the economy is all fucked up right now, but I won't know until I try. So actually, that's one thing, I guess. I I talked about this in my story the other day. Maybe you saw it, but I, since January, have had a course launch planned for like two weeks from now, um, April 10th. And when the shelter in places started to happen, I was like, oh shit, this is like real and like people are scared and this is bad. And so I was just going to shut it down because it felt insensitive. But then I realized that like I wouldn't ask any of my friends to stop working. Like that feels weird or like tell them to stop what they're doing or out of respect for the situation. And it's not like you're profiting it's not like you're the guy, like, did you read that New York Times article, the guy who hoarded the 17,000 bottles of hand sanitizer? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. As long as you're not that guy and you're just continuing to, like, sell your art and, like, make creative stuff, you're fine. So, yeah, yeah um, I'll be doing that. I can report back to you and let you know how my audience responded during a time like this. For yeah. It is a brand new product, too, so, like, that's one of the variables. So I don't really have any, like, testing I can do. I'm just going to go for it. Which What's has honestly class? been my mentality my entire career, and it's served me well. Yeah, you trust your gut and you go with it. Totally. What's, the, what's the class going to be? It is mural painting for designers. So like the background of my uh, chat right now, it's how to paint a mural, how to price it, and then how to promote yourself as a muralist. It's for designers who maybe don't want to make murals like 100% their career because it's a lot of work. Like it is yeah. hard work to be a full-time muralist. So for someone who looks at me and likes what I'm doing of like, I do commercial illustration, mostly remotely, digitally, but I paint like a couple murals a year. If they want to do that, then that is what it's for. I collaborated with my agent on the pricing and promotion parts, and so it's it's going to be good. I think it's the resource that I wish I had when I started painting murals and didn't, so I just kind of like DIY'd it for the last six years. Yeah. It's just nice. It's nice having that that information there because I think totally. a lot of people do want to see their stuff bigger, and it's and it, that's even like knowing how to make that jump. I think it'll be really helpful. For, for it folks. is so silly too. Like I was like, "Why are murals so cool?" And I was like, "It's because they're big. Like people like big stuff. <laughs> they and like really real. big stuff, and then really tiny stuff. Mm-hmm. Nothing in between. Nothing in between. No normal size. No. Uh, what's uh, the next question? Is do you feel like you have something to prove? To the world, to myself, to, it's open-ended question. <laughs> yeah. Do I feel like I have something to prove? You know, when I first started freelancing, I did feel like I had to prove myself, my parents, like just a, a, a vague population of people. Um, I had to prove that like I made the right choice and like, leaving advertising wasn't stupid and no one told me it was stupid, but I had my, I had my hesitations and I was worried like if I failed, I, I would fail publicly. You know, people would mm. know that it didn't work out and that's still really not the worst thing in the world. Like you just get back up and try again. Um, now do I feel like I have something to prove? I don't know. I do like, I was just thinking about it today. I do like the idea of trying to challenge myself and 
not necessarily like outdo myself every year because that can obviously be a slippery slope, um, especially as someone with variable income. Uh, but I do like to, I guess, try to model a good example of like someone who is trying new things and putting themselves out there and like not being afraid to fail. So I think I am trying to prove to other people that like, hey, it's not so scary. Like the water is just fine. Like you will get asked for refunds. You will get mean comments. Like it's not the end of the world. And those are really far and few between. Like mm -hmm. I think that's what I'm trying to prove. Like I it's it's funny because I was I, I'm not trying to prove to my parents. My parents get that it's working now. Like they understand. Like, all right, she's not a starving artist. This is fine. Like, if anything, I like. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if anything, I'm probably just going to stop sharing those specific numbers with them. So they, I feel yeah. like they like to like, what's armchair quarterback? Oh, is yeah, that the sure. term? Yep, like, yep. I think they're just excited. It's like watching your kid play sports. Like. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like Lauren scored scored like you know ten goals this game. Like I think they're just like they're probably just excited. But yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like ambition ever gets in the way of your happiness? You know, I have never actually felt that way, but I have had a lot of students who have expressed this disconnect between what they want to be doing and what they currently are capable of doing. And that seems to get in the way of happiness. I consider myself an ambitious person, but I'd say like, like bite-sized ambition. Like I'll have an idea for a project and then I'll be like, oh my gosh, that would be fun to make. And then I make it. And then that like checks the box for me. It like satiates that need. I've never had a goal of like, I want to land these five clients before, you know, 2022 or something, or like, I want to make a million dollars by the time I'm X amount of years old. Mm. Like I've never had those kinds of goals. I think yeah. maybe because I went into advertising with, I, I did go to, I did go into advertising with very like humble and pure intentions of like, I just want to make a good living being creative. And that's what I thought advertising was going to do for me didn't turn out that way for me personally, um, but I am doing that right now. And so my ambition, I guess, has always uh, been pretty like steady. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't spike to the point that I'm like frustrated that I can't do that or grow fast enough or because my ambition has always been pretty like, what's the right word? Digestible. Okay. <laughs> uh, what's been the most challenging, challenging point of your career? Ooh. Oh man, every year has been like has presented new challenges in its own way. I would say I mean the first thing that comes to mind is when I did make that big career switch from advertising to uh freelancing. I feel like that's a pretty when you when you talk with entrepreneurs or creatives it's like that jump from like full-time job to doing your own thing is usually that big jump. And like the, I think, yeah, I don't know where I was going. Anyway, that, that's the big jump. And I, I think when I left my full-time job, I, I had this realization a couple months ago, I had absolved myself of like any, I felt like I had shaken myself of like any of the, like, this is what you should do societal norms. Like I had like broken the mold. And so I was like, I left my nine to five. I'm good. And 
about a year ago, I started running into like another like wall where I was like, okay, I've been doing this for a couple years now. Like freelance, I've been freelancing for a long time. That's been going well. I'm teaching now. And that, that looks like it's going to have like a steady path and like, oh shoot, like how do I make this sustainable? Cause like, I'm basically running two businesses within my like branch or umbrella of my company. And I've just been trying to figure out how to make it sustainable, how to give back and like make, I think emotionally battling with being a high earner and also being generous and using that for good and like grappling with those two sides of like, yeah, I worked really hard. I earned it. And then also like, oh shit, I also am really lucky in a lot of ways. And like, how do I want to use that money? Like, I can't spend all that money. I don't really want to. <laughs> there's, I'll, there's I'll take some. I'll take some. That's fine. <laughs> the, the Justin Junak Foundation. <laughs> yeah. Just bring it out over here. Back the truck up. Let's do it. Perfect. And I know, <laughs> yeah, it's so funny too, because like if a friend, if I was listening to this episode as someone who didn't know me, I would say the exact same thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I think a lot of creatives are sensitive and empathetic and, and care about other people in the world and it's when I was like, you know, making $60,000 a year, I didn't think about stuff like that. Cause I was just like, I want to get paid to do my job and like hang out with my friends and save a little bit for retirement. And it was simple. And the same way when I was just freelancing too, I think, I think my highest earning year when I was just freelancing was yeah, a little over a hundred thousand dollars though. When I started teaching courses, it was weird. This is actually an interesting tidbit. Ever since I started teaching, my income for freelancing has also gone up. It hasn't Mm. slowed down. I thought it would slow down because I wasn't posting. I was posting more educational content, less client work, like, Mm -hmm. but it's actually picked up. And if this is good incentive for anybody who's listening, I get so many project referrals. And when I say so many, I'd say like a dozen project Mm -hmm. referrals from people who follow my homework challenge or people who have taken one of my classes and work at full, like work full-time jobs and are like, Hey, we should put this person Mm -hmm. up for this project. I had no idea it was going to work as like a marketing arm for that part of my business as well. Yeah, That's cool. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, the business has grown in ways that I didn't expect, and I think I've just had to adapt to that. So I guess your answer, the answer to your question was when I left my 9 to 5, and then I would say last year. Last year was challenging, but not in like a, holy shit, like something happened, like the, the world, like my business is on fire. It's just a lot, of, a lot of questions have come up for me lately about, okay, like how do I make this sustainable? How do I live my life and how do I still make sure I'm not losing sight of my creativity and that playfulness uh, and I don't sacrifice that for just like financial growth because that's that like concrete number of like how much your business makes is just so easy to chase because it's like it's it's like quantifiable versus like creative fulfillment like how do you (laughs) well I think that's a really hard balance I think especially I've talked to friends who were really successful and, and pretty consistently booked as freelancers and they were doing it for a couple of years. And I was like, oh, do you want to still work at like an ad agency? So my friends who are creative directors, do would you want to be a creative director somewhere or run an agency? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, well, why are you still freelance? And like they hadn't produced any work like for in a couple of years and they just got kind of 
into the routine of getting a gig, getting paid, getting a gig, getting paid. And they weren't really stepping back to think about like, is this, am I really happy doing this or do I have other goals that I need to start setting myself up for? Um, and I th- so I think it's, you know, it's important that people take that pause because, or even like working from home. I think a lot of times you're like, oh my God, being freelance can be great. I'm going to work from home. I don't have to put pants on. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> and then you're like, oh shit, it's super lonely. And you don't realize the isolation you're signing up for. And so I think it's important at any point in your career to always be checking in to say, is this really what I want to be doing right now? Is this, re- and what do I want to be doing in the future that you know, I should be changing either my behavior or the things I'm thinking about or the way I'm approaching my work to, to help you get there. Oh my gosh, 100%. One thing, I was at a, a like business retreat a couple weeks ago, maybe like a month ago, and one of someone in the group said something really profound that I had never heard someone say out loud before of you get to a point of like conventional success in your business where like you built this thing and you it's working and it's making money and you like it and it kind of owns you because mm-hmm. you're terrified that if you change any, if you're not happy, and but if you change one thing or you remove yourself from this thing or you stop producing this thing, then it's all going to fall apart. You have like you have this very precarious little like treehouse that you've built that like yeah. you actually feel very, and I, I've felt myself get close to there before. You feel so creatively stifled because you're like, don't move, don't touch anything. Like this mm. has to stay this way. Or else it's gonna go away. It's yeah, a- there's like lasers everywhere, and you're trying not to trip <laughs> any of them. Yeah, but it's but then again, I, I was when I was just saying that I was like thinking about me from the outside looking into like your business, watching you grow, working, not working, and it evolve. Like that's inspiring to me. Like I know businesses and people are going to evolve and change, and you know, fluctuate and be be more fluid. And sometimes I don't allow myself that same same grace of like, it's okay. You can change and pivot and it could yield something better in the future. You never even know. Well, thanks for that. And (laughs) do you, do you feel, do you feel like that changed or maybe the not wanting to fuck it up changed as you started getting more of a following, like on Instagram, like here's the stuff I know that people like, here's the stuff I know people are, are, are responding to and feeling the need to keep putting the same stuff out or similar things because that's what resonates with an audience. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, the more followers you have, the more like data you're collecting because you're getting more comments and you, mm. it is so interesting. Yeah. With, with an algorithm now that like prioritizes engagement and certain types of things, like I would be lying if I said, I never think about that when I'm making personal work or making something to share on Instagram. It's just kind of a part of, the practical strategy now, but I do always remind myself that like I've had the most net success from the risks that I've taken and the weirdness or maybe the more unconventional stuff I've put out. So I have to keep doing that stuff. And my actually my podcast co-host, uh, Stefan, made a good point too that like people build their audiences based off of sharing a certain type of content and it's really popular and it works. And then like their engagement goes down and they're like, all these questions come up about like, what did I do wrong? Do people hate me? Mm-hmm. When it could just be either a shift in the algorithm or he brought up a good point that maybe if you do the same thing over and over again and it becomes popular and then other people start doing that, it's not as special in the sea of content out there. Yeah. So you actually do have to evolve to keep that up. And, and ahead, yeah. there's a weird balance between caring about engagement and 
not letting it phase you. Like you shouldn't take it, it shouldn't be the driving force in your decision-making. But if you're trying to build a business in particular, you have to pay attention to it because it's basically just like free market testing and seeing what people want. Um, Because sometimes the posts that people engage with the most are a good indicator of where you could take your business or where you could monetize or create a product or that's what's resonating with your people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, What's your biggest fear? My biggest fear? Oh my gosh. Well, currently, so I'll, I'll give a couple. I've always been scared of the dark, like pitch black. I hate it. Absolutely hate it. Yep. That's why, um, why you live in a city. Yes. Right? Yeah, it's yep. like suburbs now. Nah, you're good. Light <laughs> pollution. That's uh-huh. so comforting to me. Uh, hmm. I lately have been terrified of, so <laughs> have you watched the movie? On, uh, it's on Netflix, The Platform. No. Okay, it's like a horror, like mm, futuristic. Anyways, my boyfriend watched it and he told me about it. And he was like, he was like, it's crazy. And I, I don't like horror movies, but what I do like, and I do this every time. Like I remember when a friend last year was telling me about that that horror movie shot in the daylight, Midsummer. Did you see that? Mid- no. Okay. It sounds terrifying. Super terrifying. Anyways. <laughs> I have this tendency to, instead of watching the trailer or watching the movie because I can't handle it, I'll read the Wikipedia page of the movie. Okay. <laughs> read the plot and like read the whole story. And that's been scaring me lately. It's, I don't know if you and your girlfriend watch horror movies together. I know. Okay. Never mind. Unless it's, unless it's Jordan Peele. Like I'll watch Jordan Peele movies and that's about <laughs> it. I'll, I'll go with the thriller, but okay. like, yeah. 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 Um, and then so another, don't watch the platform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't watch it. I'm not going to watch it. It's it's horrifying. Um, I don't know how people. I feel like the last time I felt that way was when uh, Human Centipede was out. I was like, who comes up with this shit? Like, oh yeah. The I human, didn't see that either. The human mind and creativity is very uh, powerful. It can. Uh-huh. There are no limit. No limitations. Um, I I love how you're you you're so sweetly talking about human centipede on a podcast. <laughs> and you're just like, the human mind is such a wonderful thing. <laughs> I, I've never seen that movie, but I know what it's about. It's like, oh, my God. So yeah. I, I, I would say I'm going to link it in the show notes, but I am not. You guys can look it up yourself. Yeah, I honestly, I've never seen it either. I just know it. Uh, <laughs> I've seen the South Park episode about it, which is fucking hilarious. Um, oh, there you go. And then, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give like a serious, maybe a, a more relevant fear. Um I think, you know, I never thought I'd be saying this, but I do once in a while, you know, because I've been in this for seven, eight years, it's like, I'm not like new, like this isn't new anymore. Like I'm in my career, like it's, it's going. Mm-hmm. And the same way, like when people talk about nine to five jobs of like, I don't want to wake up one day and like, be like, where did the last 20 years go? Like, what have I been doing with my life? Like, even eight years into my freelance business and like my wherever this entrepreneurial journey takes me, I do think about that sometimes of like I do fear like building a business that I don't like anymore. Mm. And I, I that honestly keeps me in check, I'd say, once a week of like, all right, what direction are you going in? Like, don't forget, like you're in the driver's seat of the car. Like no one else is telling you where you have to go. Like to your point about – uh Instagram engagement, letting that dictate like what you put out, like 
there are so many little like carrots on sticks all around being like, come, come this way, come this way. Like, here's a proven method to success. Like, just send these three emails to make sales. Like, there's so many like formats like that online. Yeah. And here's, here's how this person made money. Here's how this person made money. And it's so tempting to get drawn into that sometimes that I always have to remember like, okay, read it, absorb the information. And then like, how can you like, how can you make that work for you? Um, mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. I'd say I check in with myself about once a week with that because sometimes your business can take you in a direction that you didn't intend to go. And you yeah. want to make sure that you at least are interested in going in that direction. Like I'm currently at an interesting crossroads of, do I continue to take on commercial client work? Like I was, I've been experimenting with this idea. It sounds scary to say out loud. Um, and maybe this is a fear. If I stopped doing client work, what would happen? Like I would have free up so much time to make more content or do more classes. And the truth is, I, we were talking in, in our DMs about this, but the co- online course side of my business scales so much better than the freelance lettering side of my business. I, I know yeah. in my heart, I have no desire to run a team of 10 lettering artists, like a lettering farm and like be the creative director of that. Like that's not, I don't think that would, that would fulfill me too much. I, I still like to be involved in the making. And so I'm trying to figure out how I can do more of the stuff that I like um, while still keeping the business like running smoothly. Cause I remember maybe two weeks ago, my boyfriend came in here and it was like maybe 8 PM and I was still working and he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I just, you know, I, I forgot to give these to my designer. So I'm just like touching, I'm just retouching a couple of these images before I send them to the client. And he was like, are you, are you your own junior designer right now? Like, what are you doing? Uh-huh. <laughs> and he, he made a good point. Um, what am I doing? I don't know. I was yeah. getting, I, I just sometimes revert back to my freelancer brain where it's just like, nope, I'll get it done. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I can, it's fine. And I've been struggling with what direction do I want to go in? I know I don't have to make a decision of like either or, I can still do both, right. but I don't really know. Like I, what you were saying about dreaming bigger for yourself, um, I recently had someone tell me like I was expressing being stressed, you know, doing online courses and doing client work and like not knowing which one to choose or how to how, how to tweak the percentages and he was like, "Well, you know, you yes, you found you found success as a commercial letter. That's that's amazing. Like, but maybe you've checked most of the boxes on that list. Like you've you set out to do what you wanted to do. It just happened faster than you thought it was going to happen. And maybe it's just not as exciting anymore. And maybe there are bigger things for you. Like he, he said, he was like, yeah, like I could totally picture you as like the badass version of like Martha Stewart someday. Like you could be (laughs) like this creative powerhouse. That's more than just freelance lettering. And that was a big eye opener for me. I was like, wow, I've never Mm. even thought of that for myself. Like, I know I'm more creative than just lettering. I do know that the same way you knew I was more creative than just advertising. Yeah. But like getting to that next level, because when we first met, advertising was my like pinnacle of success. And then I Mm -hmm. tried it and then it wasn't anymore. And then I set a new one of lettering. And I am, it's scary to think that I could be reaching like maybe the end of that path. I don't think It'll be like an end where it cuts off and I never do lettering ever again. But 
I do feel like this year will be an interesting one of growth. And I, I do think there are more, it's scary thinking there are more doors to open that I'm just not even aware of. Yeah. yeah. And that's a, and that's, a, that's what I think is the exciting part of the unknown. I think a lot of times with the unknown, we all get scared about it. And, and as creative people, it's our opportunity to make, you know, make our own future and make our own reality. And so I'm always excited by the unknown. I'm always excited when people quit their jobs or get laid off because I'm like, oh, now anything's possible. You can figure out anything you want to do and you have a new challenge and a new slate to be able to make some of those decisions on or when people get you know out of a relationship I'm like great anything's possible like and, and I just think for you and I think for all of us it's like this is a weird time right now it's allowing us to pause and maybe reset and recalibrate a little bit and anything can happen and I and I love that my business partner Adam Tompkins today said about how Nutella came out of the chocolate rations of World War One I, I think it was and they, so they were rationing chocolate and they found this um, guy realized if you added um, hazelnut to chocolate, it made it still taste like chocolate, but it, you were able to make a lot more of it with just a little bit of chocolate in it. And so like, what's our Nutella right now? Like, what is our, Whoa. what are we making out of this mess? And, and Nutella, it's not like the war was over and suddenly people didn't want Nutella anymore. It's like, no, they, they still, it's been selling now for decades later. And so That's it's like, what really powerful story. I was going to say that someone recently shared with me that um, Frank Lloyd Wright started his architecture school in the midst of like the depression because he knew no one was going to pay to like build new buildings so he could teach it. And like, I so do smart. think that right now is terrifying for sure because it's we're still at the beginning of it and it's kind of, it's shaking yeah. us all up. But I do think we're going to see a lot of innovation. Like I was joking with some girlfriends on a FaceTime we had yesterday that I bet that a year from now, well, one, there's going to be a ton of babies, but a year from now, we're going to see so many like people who found a hobby or like rekindled a hobby during this time are going to turn those into businesses. We're going to see that happen yeah. blogs and like handmade stuff and small businesses or services that like they were able to reconnect with during a time like this of like pause and uncertainty and moving inwards maybe more than outward yeah. production. Um, I love that Nutella story. Yeah. I, I, thank you, Adam. That was a good way. Because like I think I heard, that creativity the, yeah. does thrive under constraints. Like Absolutely. I think it's, it's actually, I've noticed this with my students. I never thought it was, it was this way, but when, like you were saying, or actually, no, I was talking with uh, Alexandra, this morning, well, one of your producers for mm -hmm. yeah. the, oh, the thing we're doing on Wednesday. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And she was saying that, because I was like, oh, do we need to give an assignment? Like, what's it going to be? And she was saying, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of freelancers and creatives are so used to, like, going through the motions of, like, getting the brief, doing the work, and, like, turning it in, that when they have no brief, it's like, oh, well, what the fuck do I make? Like, what, mm -hmm. anything? Really? Like, no fucking way. No way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You need to be. You almost need to be put in the box so you can find out ways to bend it and break it, yeah. and, and 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 push against those challenges. Now, okay. I have a couple more questions for you. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, we only have a few minutes left, but uh, maybe some. We'll do some quicker answers so we can get through these. Uh, what do you want to do, which you haven't done yet? Ooh, I have always wanted to. I don't do branding design at all, so this is strange to say. I've always wanted to 
brand and design a ice cream shop. Like the whole thing. If anyone's opening an ice cream store soon, which that's good to put that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let me know. Um, that's cool. Yeah. I've always wanted to buy. This is like maybe a, a way, way, way future goal. I've been thinking a lot about like, it'd be so cool to like buy a building and turn it into like a art space, artist retreat, something that's like a bigger, loftier dream. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe they'll have me back on this podcast in 10 years and it'll be a thing. Or it happens in three, which <laughs> way faster and you got to <laughs> keep, keep, keep dreaming, big, dreaming bigger and faster. Yeah. Uh, who makes you jealous? Ooh, who makes me jealous? Um... I'm trying to think of the last thing I saw that I was jealous of. Um, I can't think of a specific person. I actually try not to harbor any of those feelings towards any specific person. Um, oh, that's good. This is, I feel like, in a good way. The last idea that I saw that made me like, oh, like I wish I had thought of that because it's so smart. Um, I don't know if you, it was maybe six months ago. The photographer who photographed those passport photos and then what was outside of what was happening outside of the frame. Did you see that going around no. the internet? No, but I want to see it now. I'm gonna you're gonna love it. I'm gonna send okay, it to send you. Okay, send it to me. And um, I'll put it in the show notes so people can check that out. Perfect. I believe his name is Max something. I can't remember his last name. But here's the thing. We're all gonna go Google him after this. We'll find him easily. Like that his project, like made a little marker in my brain, and now I'm telling everyone about it. So, power of a passion project. There you go. It made me uh, laugh. <laughs> uh, what's been your proudest moment? Proudest moment? Mm, I don't know if I have a specific moment. I do remember feeling really good and like kind of in awe in 2018 when I was a keynote speaker at TypeCon and the the theme of the conference was like women in type and they because it was the 10th I think anniversary they chose a different female designer in the type space for like per for the last couple decades and I got to represent like it was past present future um so past was Louise Feely Present was Nina Stossinger, and I was the future. And I was like, ah, like I'm the future. (laughs) (laughs) No, no pressure. Yeah. So that I felt really proud of that. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I think maybe, maybe things like that. My dad got to come see me speak at Adobe Max last year, and that was pretty, pretty cool. Um, But yeah. It's a big deal. I think, I think those things maybe. I'm, I'm proud that. I feel like I'm more consistently proud when I like check in with my students and like see stuff that they're doing. I think that this, I feel like this sounds like a very like mom, like mom or grandma thing to say, but like it's <laughs> it's so. As someone who doesn't have children myself, it is. I can see how rewarding it would be because, not that my students are my children. Don't want to get creepy here. I'm not going to end this on a creepy note. <laughs> Seeing someone else that you've helped guide or just seeing someone else succeed is really powerful. Like when you ask the jealous question, there's no person who makes me jealous because I I genuinely do feel happy that like someone had an idea and they did it or like someone went for it. And yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. That's a, it's a nice way to look at it. And I know from experience, that's a good feeling. Yeah. (laughs) You make me so proud. Uh, Now, 
what would Lauren from five years ago think of Lauren today? Uh, Lauren from five years ago would ask, would think, I think, I'm trying to think of 24-year-old me. I think she would be in disbelief. She'd be like, what? Like, it wasn't even a possibility, like, on my radar. Maybe 24-year-old me would ask 29-year-old me for some money. (laughs) 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 So she could go travel or so she could, like... (laughs) I don't know. Um, I think twenty, like like five year ago, me would be shocked, but in a good way. And I sincerely yeah. hope that twenty nine year old me right now, like in five years from now, will or thirty four year old me will be like, will look at thirty four year old me and be like, whoa. Like I hope I I hope I have that same feeling or that same. Five years is a long time. When you when you kept saying like eight years, I was like, oh my gosh, has it been eight years? But we did meet in two thousand and twelve, which is yeah. so nutty. I remember when I when I turned twenty seven, I think I was telling my boyfriend that like I'm not like I'm at the age now where people aren't impressed like by what I've done because I'm young. Mm-hmm. Like I, people expect like oh okay she's like in her late twenties. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard when you started off, like you start off out of the gate strong. Like I was always the youngest at every job. And mm-hmm. like, and so you're like, ooh, I'm like a young overachiever. And now you're like, I'm just an achiever normal now. I'm just a normal yeah. overworked, yeah, achiever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, all right, I'm just doing what I should be doing. But yeah. Well, yeah, I guess uh, it's like you you stand out when you're younger and you have that like hustle. You're an overachiever because people don't expect it. But people expect it when you're like in your 30s. They're like, oh, yeah, you just work really hard. Yeah. Like, like the rest of us. Oh, oh, get it. You got a job. Okay, cool. You know, like, <laughs> not that impressive, dude. You showed up yeah. to work. Way to go. Now, what uh, what is success to you? Ooh, I feel like I might have answered this in one of my, like, other answers. I think mm. what I've always tried to hold on to as a metric of success is, like, am I enjoying the work that I'm making, whether it's a course, like that's the work, or it's a passion project or piece of art or client work. I think that the, I know that the work is going to change over time. It's just inevitable that that's going to change, but making sure that I still enjoy it. And there was a time last year where I got into this weird, like mind fuck where I was like, it's like, it's such a privilege to enjoy the work you do. Like it's selfish to like focus on enjoying the work that you do, but I've gotten my, I dug myself out of that hole, luckily. Um, and I think that that is, that is my metric for success is like, am I enjoying the day to day of what I'm doing? Because yeah, I feel like the day to day is the most important for me because work is like, if you work eight hours a day, that's the third of your life. Um, and so I know that to some people it may look like I built my business like very quickly um, and time is all relative, I get. But yeah, yeah, I, I think that I think about like, oh, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Like how does that, how is that going to look? Um, and who knows, maybe in five years when we chat again, <laughs> I can report back. But yeah, just making sure I'm liking the day-to-day because that's, if it doesn't feel good, like I don't want to do it. And yeah. That's how I started my career too. I was like, I don't like working on pitches till 3 a.m. Like this feels bad. And I I definitely have over the last year in particular gotten to points in my current business where I'm like, this 
feels bad too. Like this isn't working. Like I am staying up late too to work on my own like stuff like that I either need help or I need to scale back. And so I've gone the route of getting help. And so who knows how much that will be. Um, I also, I don't know if you felt this way, but the bigger you, I, maybe I have a misconception of the bigger I grow my team, the less autonomy I'm going to have. And I feel like a lot of freelancers go into freelance for ultimate autonomy. Mm. And who knows, maybe I will, it's not that I need a ton of autonomy. To, it's not like I'm like traveling the world right now or have a lot to do, like, or have like a family. Like I have a pretty chill life outside of uh, my work. But yeah, I, I, I just think about like, how am I going to grow this? Do I even want to grow this? Like I, I try to like shed all the shoulds. Like what am I supposed to do right now? I don't know. What do I want to do? right now. And I think it's easy. It's easy when there's someone to model your business after. Um, It makes it like, it makes it easier to see what path you might want to go down. And I look at, yeah, like, do I want to do the studio model? And I've already chosen like, no, I don't think I want to build out a whole studio. Overhead's pretty high too, getting a big space for a lot of people. Um, But it would be nice to have like a little team. I remember seeing in your story that you, maybe this is like a year or two ago, you were in Austin for a working, not working, like team retreat. No, that was was like two months ago. Wait, that was two months ago? I thought that was a year. Time's flying. We've we've lived like a, a, a decade in the past Two weeks. So. Where you got the hats made? Yeah, yeah, that was only two Are months ago. Are you kidding me? Not even. That was like a month and a half. Yeah, almost two months ago. I love how you're like two to three years ago. Wow. Yeah. Beginning My of February. Timeline yeah. is so. Did you do that the year before, or is that? Uh, so we got custom cowboy hats made for the whole team and our team offsite in Austin. Oh my goodness. Like so that, there is something nice about having a team. That yeah. sounds fun, and like as even if I build out a more remote team, like I would like to build in like company culture that I've never thought about. Like there's so many things that I've been asked for in the last couple of months that I was like, oh shit, like I slapped my business together as like a scrappy freelancer and I never designed home sweet home brand guidelines or like copywriting guidelines or like, no. you know, I, people were like, and I remember someone asked for my brand guidelines and like fonts and stuff. And I was like, I literally go in my Squarespace once a year and like change the font to whatever I feel like. Like that's not, yeah. there, there, it was not built for other people to step in and yeah. like come work on it. And so it's been kind of a funny, funny growing pains to now kind of like reverse engineer that um, because I do need to have documents and things that help other people help me. Um, yeah. I know that I can't just download information from my brain and upload it into someone else's brain. Um, yeah, I, I've learned that the hard way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. You can't do that. No, it's just like well, it's hard when you have, especially when you grew something yourself or with a partner, and like everything is you mm-hmm. to then try to teach someone how to do something the way you would, and then not be a control freak when they don't, which is very hard to do. Uh, it's yeah, it's tough to let go of that stuff. But uh, once you do, once you're able to, it's very free. I'm ready. I like emotionally am ready and my body just hasn't let me yet. And I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to get there. Like every time I feel frustrated that like, like what you were saying about like, has my ambition like gotten in the way of my happiness? I'd say it's more like sometimes my actions, I like, I know what I want. And then my actions just take a little bit of time to follow. Um, so it's like the reverse, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. I've learned that like, my, yes, I'm eight years into my career, but like, what are careers 40 years long? Like it's a long ass time. And I feel like I, 
I was in more of a rush when I first started out to like, you know, hit the ground running, like fresh out of the gates, um, taking on so many projects. And now I'm like, okay, I'm like in sustain mode. I'm like, how do I keep this? I was in sprint mode for the first five years. And oh man, Jessica, Jessica and I had a really interesting conversation around this when we got our tattoos of like, she talks a lot about, you know, getting burnt out in New York, moving to California, like in having a better quality of life now that like she's not working all the time. And we both acknowledge though, I, I feel that way too. Like I'm not in New York anymore and I have a slightly slower pace of life here, even though it can get hectic sometimes too, as you, as you know. Yeah. But she was saying, or both of us acknowledge that we might not be where we are and have what we have without that like sprinty period of like, intense working, 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 project, 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 only talking about work, like just being in that season of life where that's what we wanted to do. And I remember genuinely being excited and happy about it. And there's, I recently was interviewed about like burnout and I talked about how I burnt out of the ad industry and like maybe little pockets I've had of it over the last couple of years, even as a freelancer. And the interviewer was like, oh, is there anything else you want to add? And I was like, yeah, I actually want to add that like, I know this is an article about burnout and like how it's not good, but I want people to know that if they are in like grind season or grind time, there's no shame in that either. Like there's no right yeah. or wrong speed to be going at. Yeah. And you just have to know, you have to check in with yourself and be like, is this working for me right now? Like, am I grinding because I really want to and I'm so motivated and I can't go to sleep because I have all these ideas? Or am I grinding because I'm terrified that freelance is going to dry up tomorrow? And like, if I don't grind, then I won't be worthy of the work. And so yeah. examining those intentions and always remembering that like you can, you can always take your foot off the gas a little bit or put it on harder whenever yeah. you need to. I think that sometimes I even forget that I have control over that. For sure. And I think it's a distinction of, is this a fear-based decision or an enthusiasm-based decision or curiosity-based decision? Oh, totally. Uh, and yeah. if, it, if it's coming from fear, it's probably not going to feel great. But yeah, giving yourself the, the space to think about that. Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> so I have one last question. Okay. How are you feeling right now? Feeling good. All right, good. <laughs> good. We did it. I'm so happy we were able to do it. Uh, I cannot be prouder of you. Uh, of everything you've been doing. And I, and I think it's really exciting to see like so much can change in a year or three years or five years and just even think um, where you're going to be in the next few years. Uh, I, I don't think either one of us could, we'll, we'll look back on this podcast. I don't think either one of us will be able to predict it. So I'm, I'm really oh, proud. Oh man. I, it's, yeah, it's weird thinking about, I've been staying away from like speculation and predictions. It's mostly like in the news, like speculations about the economy. Like I'm like, nope, right. I'll pass. Like who knows that it's a crapshoot. Um, but yeah, uh, in terms of the future, I I wonder what I'll be doing. I wonder what you'll be doing in the next three to oh, five. I'll be a deadbeat. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I will be the badass version of a Martha Stewart or move into a different creative space. Like I've been, I've also been grappling with like, as I've grown, obviously I am in my videos and I'm like a person on the internet and I've been, I've been like, okay, what you were saying about what are the comments and questions. And lately a lot of people have been asking more about like, where do you get your clothes? How do you do your hair? And like that lifestyle space is something I've never focused on or been, in I'm interested in it to the extent that like I like to dress 
in a way that like makes me feel good. But it is interesting just noticing the other questions that have come up as my audience has grown outside of just the like New York design world. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, the internet's crazy. Like anyone can find you and anyone can become like, you know, super interested in what you're doing. And I I know that right now or for the for the past eight years and for at least the foreseeable future, lettering is just like that channel that I'm going to channel all my creativity through. But who knows? Maybe I'll be a sculptor or a painter the next time you talk to me. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'll be a, maybe I'll start my own ice cream store, you know? Instead of waiting for somebody else to start it for you. That's a great idea. People always talk about, yeah, waiting. I literally just recorded something on this for the, uh, we're finishing up like editing the, the mural class and, you know, the idea of people thinking that they need to, they need permission from a friend or a business owner. They need someone to give them a wall before they can start practicing murals. And like, that's a hundred percent not the case. Like if you have a chill landlord or you own your home, paint your own wall. If you can't do that, like giant canvas, wooden board from the hardware store, like big scrap of cardboard, paper taped on the wall. Like there's so many ways to get scrappy with it. And I... My friend Andy J. Pizza had a good analogy um, or said something in his Skillshare class that uh, my designer and I took a couple months ago of when you're doing passion projects, um, you know, make sure that you are like you don't forget that you can also create the content that goes in that fake, you know, magazine that you made or the, you know, you can actually like if no one's going to give you that project, make it like not just the design, but like make the thing which is interesting. Yeah. And yeah, What's maybe I'll have an ice cream store. Maybe the... By the way, I saw Shark Tank this week. Oh, did we lose her? Oh, hi. Oh, oh I think as I went to speak review. Oh. That's um, so anyway, uh, went, I watched Shark Tank this week uh, and they had some people who made ice cream, some farmers in I think Indiana and there's an ice cream university you can go to in New Jersey and you learn how to make ice cream and then you can start your ice cream store. Whoa, that's interesting. I, huh, I didn't know there was a university for that. There's a university for yeah, it's like everything. A, it's, I think it's Actually, a two-month you know, program. That reminds me that I didn't talk about this in the podcast, but uh, are we still recording? I am, but we're, probably, okay, yeah, cool. I, we're, we're way over, so I'm going to cut some out. I'm going <laughs> to stretch course. my leg because my leg fell asleep. Of course. Um, okay. That is one thing I've been... I've always joked and I feel like jokes are sometimes indicators of like what we're maybe just scared to pursue, like being like, oh, haha, like, wouldn't it be funny if dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Uh, I always, uh, ever since like maybe I've been 16, I've always joked that like if I won the lottery and like didn't have to work, I would just go to culinary school. And I know that that's something that I could, I could do now if I wanted to. And yeah. maybe it's not the right time, but I could totally see myself doing that in the next decade mm-hmm. that'd be cool open up then, a cafe homs noms homs noms and then uh everything is just dirty <laughs> filthy what, what was that project you had the peen, oh, peen cuisine i could open peen up the cuisine. Peen cuisine cafe oh my god that would do really well that's a great pop-up and i think that's the thing with like all your ideas like you could do a pop-up ice cream shop for you know, a month or two if you wanted you could do a Ooh. pop-up you could do a pop-up peen cuisine you could do that like just get someone to give you the space, get a food license, and make it happen. That's actually true. I feel like 
I'm getting tripped up on that where a lot, I tell a lot of my students they're getting tripped up on is like, oh, like, but but the food license and the permits, like, it's not that hard to figure out. Like, you can you mm-hmm. can make it happen or you pay People someone else to time. figure out. People do it all the time. I, and I wonder if that's like, hmm. uh, you know, there is, you know, when you're talking about being, an, you know, a lettering artist or an illustrator, that was, you know, very much your identity when you came out and you went freelancing and all that. And I wonder if now that identity is a bit limiting because you still probably consider yourself a lettering artist, but you're like, but no, I'm just a creative person who makes a bunch of shit. And when you put that as your definition and the, the bunch of shit you can make could be anything as opposed to like just things revolving around lettering. That is a very smart analysis of the situation. That's a hundred percent been struggling with like limiting beliefs of, I thought I shed all my limiting beliefs when I quit my job and like went freelance, but right. there's, I'm, I'm sure you went through this too. Like there is the next level of limiting beliefs of like, you start reaching your edges um, as you grow and which is natural. Like, and yeah, you're right. Like I have clung on to lettering artist for commercial projects for the last eight years. And I was working with my business coach on this uh, last month of, what would happen if I gave that up? Like, was it feels scary to give up? Like, what what could be possible if I gave that up? And I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I I'm I'm comfortable in that definition of myself and my creativity. When I think I'm just trying to avoid, yeah, the unknown. Like you were saying, it's scary. But I also know that like we had to do this crazy exercise at that business retreat where we there were two chairs sitting across from each other, and we had to sit in the chair and talk to ourselves as if we were ourselves and go back. It literally looks, we looked like crazy people, but it was interesting because you have a conversation with yourself. um, Mm -hmm. And I realized like, practically I've done something like shake things up, like leave my advertising job. I've made bigger pivots before and it's been fine, if not a lot better. So Mm. I think that's a, it's someone who said that, you know, we always feel like the job we have is going to be the last job we're ever going to have. The relationship we have is the last relationship we're ever going to have. And that's never the case. And I just think like, if you go and give yourself the opportunity to maybe be bored or not know how you're going to fill your time, some crazy shit's probably going to happen. And I think that's like, to me, that's supremely exciting. And I think, yeah, we were talking about not waiting for permission to paint walls. Like, you shouldn't wait for permission to brand an ice cream shop. Like, you should just go fucking do it. And, you know, you've hopefully got some, you know, you probably could afford to do a little pop-up for a month or a truck or something, right? Like, there's got to be spaces, like, I'm sure. You know, that's that's so interesting, too, because that's something that's new for me as well, is sometimes I, my, like, my background in passion projects of, like, scrappy, no money to start them, like very simple. I forget sometimes that like what you just said, I can self-fund something like that. And it just didn't cross my mind, Mm -hmm. which is interesting now. Like I do think that artists, artists with money, if they allow themselves permission to like can do some pretty rad stuff. Like I feel Mm -hmm. like the struggle, half the struggle or most of the struggle for creatives is like they never have enough money to fund the project they want to do or to to take the time off to do the thing they want to do. That's actually something that hopefully I'm working towards in the next 24 months is taking time off. Like that's, I really think that's what all of this is for too. Like yeah. to be able to buy myself some breathing room of, like you said, the idea of 
not needing to fill my time with anything is scary, but I think it's from a, from like a control standpoint, but a lot of personal growth could happen in that space. Have you taken a sabbatical before or a break? I've gone on a vacation. I've gone on a vacation. No, I haven't taken a break. And when you talk about earlier, you were talking about like, oh, if I had all the money, like, what would I do? And you're like, oh, culinary school. Like, that's a question that people are like, oh, after working out working, what would you do? And I'm like, what do you mean after working out working? Uh, but like for me, it's like, oh, I want to be an artist. Like, I've always wanted to be an artist. I've always wanted to make stuff, and I haven't made stuff in a long time. And I miss doing that. And like, my only goal is to get into MoMA someday. And so it's I like, can see it. And so I'm like, if, whether it's I was I was willing to settle for the MoMA design store, but they wouldn't carry the New York City garbage cubes. So uh, I'm going to put the goal back at MoMA. Uh, but that's all I really need. And and so it's you know finding. And I also have a sports bar concept I really want to start. So uh, which I'm not going to talk about it on air. Uh, but can yeah. we unplug and you can? I, that sounds so cool. Yeah, yeah, I'll unplug and tell you okay. about sports once we stop recording. Cool. Uh, but. You know, who knows? We may keep this in. Like, you know, usually our episodes are like between an hour and an hour mm-hmm. and fifteen. And we're at like an hour and forty minutes right now. Oh yeah. We'll just we'll just break into two episodes. Um, but uh, yeah, this is this has been great. I love chatting with you. We should chat more often, non recorded, and just hang out. Uh, if you're has to be York. recorded. Yeah, it has to or be. Or else all it doesn't count. Yeah, it's like if it's not a podcast, what is the conversation? <laughs> Lauren, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, we will have more conversations in the future and we will make sure they're recorded. Uh, And again, I cannot express how proud I am of you. And it's just really nice to see someone who you knew when they were first coming out and had all sorts of aspirations um, evolving and excelling in ways that even myself and and she couldn't even imagine. So Lauren, you're fucking great and uh, keep doing what you're doing and keep, uh, keep helping people. Now, I put all the info about her classes and everything we talked about in the show notes, so you can click on those and check it out and check out her site. Uh, Also, please subscribe, rate, and review, overshare. If you love this conversation, you're still listening right now, so I'm assuming you did, uh, please share the episode with a friend, someone who's sitting at home right now, maybe is feeling a little bit down and needs to know that there's there's more possibility out there and maybe needs a a bit of a reset and an opportunity to rethink their own career, their own limitations. Please share this with them right now. I'm sure they really appreciate it. Um, You can also go to our Instagram at Overshare Talks and there's clips and sound bites from this interview along with collages of Lauren's work that are great to share as well. We'd really appreciate it if you do. Now, a huge thanks to our audio engineer and editor, Jesse Peterson, and the team at Second Child in New York City who helps produce this. Uh, thanks to Moira Spahich, our producer. And thanks to Eugene Ong and Gabby D'Amato on the Overshare branding. And you can see Eugene's handiwork and all the collages from the different episodes on our Instagram at Overshare Talks. And also thanks to Caleb Grow for our theme song, Let It Grow. Now, if you're a creative or someone who hires creatives, please join us at WorkingNotWorking.com. We're a curated community of the best creatives in the universe. Companies like Apple, Google, Facebook, Airbnb, Wine & Kennedy, Droga5 all use Working Not Working to fill full-time and freelance roles. So if you're one of those top-tier creatives in the industry or you'd like to hire those top-tier creatives, join us at WorkingNotWorking.com. We would love to have you. All right, and that's all we got for this episode. Uh, Just a reminder, don't touch your face. Please stay the fuck at home and do your part and just watch a shit ton of TV and eat snacks and stay safe, stay healthy. Hopefully all your friends and family are doing the same. I wish you all the best and hope everyone, uh, you know, I know we're all going to get through this. We just got to do it together. So, so do your part and we will see you next time.